Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Free Guy, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games, and we also have been talking a lot about movies recently and TV shows and stuff, and there's a movie that came out that is all about games. It's about game development. It's about how games work. I guess, kind of, it tries, um, and, you know, so we're going to talk about it. That movie, by the way, is Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds, directed by Sean Levy. Yeah, um, and uh, also has the guy from, Steve from Stranger Things. as. It one. also has Steve from Stranger Things, that's very true. Um, and and uh, a guy who looked like he was, or a character, because I can't say guy in this context, a character who looked like he was definitely supposed to be Kevin Hart, but was not Kevin Hart. Um, which is like the the the, the secu- who was weirdly named Buddy, which I yes, didn't right, get I at first. He kept saying like, "Hey, Buddy," or whatever, and I just thought it was like a whatever. And then I saw his name tag, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before we get into spoilers, Buddy, what did you think of this uh, of this movie? I think Free Guy is ultimately pretty forgettable, and uh, I don't recommend it. Is that is that mean? This is this is a very perfect like, you know, you're bored on a Saturday and you look through the Netflix queue or whatever, and you're just like, I just want to watch something lighthearted and fun and uninteresting, you know, just like something to to put on in the background while I want to veg out. Free Guy is a great movie for that because it's pretty dumb as rocks. Uh, it's pretty stupid. And it's also, like, incredibly forgettable. So, that's, like, the highest heights that Free Guy is ever going to is ever going to get, which is probably not that high and probably not a very rousing recommendation. But there we go. Yeah, um, I'm going to recommend it a little bit less than that. I mean, so, so part of this is, so there, there was recently this XKCD um, that's, like, uh, it's about it's, it's 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 like two geologists talking to each other. It's a silicon chemistry, a second nature to us geochemists, so it's easy to forget the average person probably only knows the formulas for olivine and one or two feldspars and quartz, of course, of course. And it's like even when they're trying to compensate for it, experts in anything wildly overestimate the average person's familiarity with their field. And I think this applies well to this movie. And so, oh my god, absolutely. But oh I also god, I also think it's a little bit better, worse than that, right? Because I think if you have like maybe I'm overestimating this because you know you you working with video games is like a community manager and I'm a programmer, and like this was so mind-bogglingly terrible to me. But I think even if you have like a passing familiarity with video games, like as a concept, you're dis- like I don't know the other. Consider- oh, I, I have a different take than that, which is interesting. We can talk about it in the spoiler section, but I actually have a I have a very different take than that for sure. The, the other comparison that comes to mind is like. Nerds hate Big Bang Theory, but like normies like Big Bang Theory, right? Like, like maybe if you're like a normie that like thinks about like you know watches their kid play Minecraft, this is what you think video games are like. But like, I don't know. It just it was too, it was way too much for me. And that was that's the, the like that that is the uh, uh, the thesis or the, the the kind of basis of my anti recommendation. Um, if like I was, I was like silently fuming at this movie, like nearly the whole time. But I don't want to give too much away. Um, I was uh, also, I was also, I don't know. I found it more funny than anything. This must be like, you know, there's a, um, 
I don't know, they're, like, there's the way these, like, cop movies go or something. Or, like, like, uh, like if I'm an FBI agent and I watch a TV show that's about, like, the FBI, I feel like there's a good-natured way to take that, and that's kind of what I think this ends up with. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, the other comparison I wanted to draw is if you, if, if any of you are old enough to remember Full Sail and Full Sail's TV commercials that were like two guys playing like a video game and be like, we need to tighten up the graphics on level two. And then they like move the controller around a bit, right? Like that's what this whole movie felt like to me, <laughs> right? Like, like that, 90 minutes uh, of that. I, I get that one for real though, actually. Um, I'll see if I can find like an old, an old like YouTube clip of it and link it in the description. But with that, I think we're going to move into the spoiler section of this. You sure. Know, if you, for whatever reason, feel compelled to watch the movie and care about spoilers, you know, it's a very predictable... It's, so that's the other thing, too. Bef- before we get into the spoilers, like, it's a very rote movie, right? Like, if you, like, see, see like, the if you see the trailer, you know exactly how this movie resolves, like, you know, yep. within, like, 85 to 90% accuracy. So feel free to listen to the spoilers anyway, but here's a spoiler warning for it if you care. Let's go. All right. So... So where do we want? I actually have I have a lot to say about this movie. Weirdly enough, for a movie that I think is bad and uninteresting, right? Um, there's a lot going on here, and I'm sort of interested in kind of like digging in. Where do you want to start? Okay, uh, let's since we talked about it in the pre spoilers, let's let's talk about the suspension of disbelief stuff. Um, okay, yeah. So the so the underlying principle here, and we've talked about this before, is this idea that like your suspension of disbelief is challenged. Right when when it gets like challenged and broken, you you lose entirely. Right. Yeah. There's a certain amount that it'll bend, and you can kind of accept it, and you're with it, you're alongside the movie or whatever. But if it breaks, then all of a sudden you go back and you say all of this dumb bullshit is dumb. Right. And that's kind of like the underlying principle. Yes, and this the break happened very early for me in this in this movie. But like just to give you an example, um, towards the end of the movie, um, uh. The Taiki Watiti, um, the who's the CEO of Not Blizzard, which I thought was actually a really cleverly done parody, right? Tsunami and like the, the text is all right. It like felt like it was supposed to be Blizzard, right? I really felt that it is incredibly timely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he walks to the bottom floor, which is where the server room is, and like like servers on premises are not a thing, right? That's the yep. thing I nope. like. And then like he walks in, walks into it, and there's a fire axe in the server room, which is like. Also not a thing, right? And, like, he proceeds to start hitting the servers, right? And those are things that, like, to me, like, screamed at me as, like, this is not real. But, like, also things that, like, if my, my suspension of disbelief hadn't been broken, I would have been able to forgive. Like, that's, that's the example I want to give is, like, a thing that, like, screamed out to me. But, like, I ultimately could have ignored if the other things didn't, didn't, didn't push Yeah, okay. Me. So there's also a bit in the movie. That I, I feel that way about this, this, this other bit. There's a bit in the beginning of the movie where Guy, the AI... NPC breaks free, right? Where he breaks free and he is chased down by two developers, you know, Keys and Mouse or whatever. And in game, they chase him around, they shoot him with guns, they activate God mode, which lets them rebuild this thing into a staircase to chase Guy up a up a building. And I think that stuff. So first of all, if this were to be a live game. The, the there would be commands at the disposal of the you know the per, the developer doing this that just say kill like I just kill this guy right it's like slash kill T or whatever and it's a developer only command and they just target a thing and they kill it you know what I mean 
There is no world in which you wouldn't have easy access commands like that. You would also have commands that are like slash teleport or you know whatever, right? Right. Like, like, like God mode would be turn like turn off clipping and like you know just like let you move arbitrarily and you know yeah i think i think that's a good example though of a thing that like ultimately i'd be willing to forgive that for the spectacle of the movie right like i remember yeah, sitting exactly, there right like, you can't just do that because that would be lame and boring you're right, right. obviously that is unfun if they you know if they uh just kind of let it happen right um in in the way that like things work out so i don't think that that's a real criticism my big criticism along this line though is the portrayal of um, specifically Antoine and Tsunami or whatever, which is like, you know, so so the thing that you mentioned was how this is, um, this is like not a, you know, like it doesn't come from anywhere. I think this is like the, the this is a gamer like fever dream. This is like, this is like, or like a wet dream. Antoine is sort of the parody of game developers that players who play games like League or like WoW or like, I don't know, Call of Duty, right? Like, they think the developers act this way, right? That they purposefully make the game bad because all they care about is money, you know what I mean? <laughs> or whatever. And I think it's like, it's like Reddit, you know? Like, it is like the yeah. Reddit version of game developers is represented in this guy, um, which I thought was just... You know what? You're, you're absolutely right. Because, like, <laughs> like, like, there's a moment in the middle of the movie where, 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 where the, the, main, the main good guy character or whatever is like, you know, why don't we just make an original game? And Tiger is like, because sequels make money, and money's the yeah. only thing that matters. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, IP, all I care about is IP. And he goes on this whole rant about IP or whatever. And I must feel, you know, like, I feel like, what, what is there, is there like a job that just gets absolutely reviled in the movies? Like, I don't know. If you're a, you know... It's like businessman, right? It's like generic. Yeah, you know, but like, yeah, the, the the idea that just all of these people are horrendously focused on like the bottom line, and they're and they know that they're shipping a bad product. They know, they knew, you know, like that's the kind of shit that like, that or like the, the, if you are a if you are like a gamer, you think about the games that you play, or right? or like and the idea you, that like you know that that Antoine is like actively disdainful in this way right like the idea yep. that like you know honestly that antoine is like having this conversation with like you know a community like how many times did you talk to yoshi people you were a you know square enix buddy how many times did he come to you and ask you about your yeah, yeah. personally <laughs> actually he was like hey buddy what do you think about this right you know, like, oh my god yeah and you know and the thing is is that like i have met a lot of these guys you know like I don't want to say a lot of these guys. I know a lot of people in game development, obviously, at this point. And I have never in my life met a game developer who is, like, the money guy. You know what I mean? Who is like this, you know, like, obviously a business exists to make money. But I think the, the, the real bottom line nugget of truth is that games are developed for people that are more than just you like i th let me let me just evangelize to the audience for a second okay if there's something in a game you don't like most of the time it is not there for you it's there for a person who enjoys it you know what i mean like for, so um you know wow is an easy example just because like i know wow people complain about like the maw assaults or whatever or like corthia dailies right 
and they they say like, oh, I can't believe why is Blizzard putting this shitty daily grind in the game or whatever. But the thing is, I know people who that's the game to them, right? They aren't interested in raids. They're not interested in Mythic Plus. They don't do any of that stuff. The thing that they want to do is go out into the world and do this world content. They want to, you know, help the the Covenant guys beat up the Maw. They want to, you know, and they want to get items from that. They want to get powerful stuff from that, right? They want to go and do these dailies um, in order to increase their rep, in order to get mounts, in order to do a million different things, right? And so there's this sort of myopic nature of gaming where people, because they don't interface with a particular system that well, they kind of have a little bit of friction with it, uh, they get just so mad and they're just like, how could this possibly have happened, you know? Also, Lou in the chat says, those frustrating money people exist, but they're not the devs. They're the CFO and the rest of the leadership team. Gamers and their misdirected rage are fun. You know, that's fair enough. Honestly, I mean, I'm sure that there are plenty of CFOs and business managers or whatever out there that are predatory douchebags, right? Um, just because the, what was like the, the asshole rule, right? Like you take a certain amount of anything and there are bound to be a bunch of assholes in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, and there's also, like, the the other kind of, like, you know, like, CEOs uh, select for psychopathic traits or sociopathic traits, so, like, that they're, they're overrepresented in that. I mean, and but yeah. I, th I think to just be a little bit fair, like, they're focused on the bottom line, but I think most of what they do is, is less – like, it's not like they want to make worse games, right? Like, they're just doing the yep. – like, you know, it, it's – it's not – Nobody ever ships a game where they are, like – I purposefully made a bad game because I know it's going to make money. You right. know, most of the time, it, like good games have fall to sort of like bad intent. Like, the, like things just don't work out sometimes. Right. You think the game is ready, but it's, it's not right. You, you, you have an idea for how players are going to interact with a certain subset of systems and they don't interact with those systems in that way. Right. You know, there's a lot of that stuff, but I've just, I've never met anybody in the industry who walks into work every day with a, like, I don't know, just an approach that they're going to cut out the body that they're, they're going to focus only on money and they're going to cut stuff all the time. Right. In order to in order to make that work. I've just never met anybody who is not like trying to do the best they can in the confines of the wider system of game development. Yeah. So so Nick in the chat or Ragnarok mentions, I feel like Fallout 76 is a, is a counterpoint. And I, I think this is actually this is going to lead to like what I think is like the, the kind of like realer version of this, which is there is at some point a disconnect between management and devs. And like the devs don't want to be like, this is a total pile of shit. Right. Like they that, that we've been working on for three years. It's like. Somebody says it needs to ship at some point, and it's like, well, I guess this is going, and like that that disconnect kind of like just prevents things from happening, right? Like we'll solve it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen this. I give I give a talk about this when it comes to indie games. We've shipped products that are that have bugs and stuff in them, and the core reason that that happens is because you just like you, it's like no game, no, it's like no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Like no game survives first contact with thousands of players, right? You know, like this kind of famously happened with um, with Spinch for us, where we released Spinch and all of a sudden people were reporting all of these issues. And it turns out that like, you know, we had our QA guy and he was doing QA, right? And on his system, Spinch was running just fine. But on a myriad of different systems with a myriad of different specifications, it wasn't working correctly. 
Um, and so, like, that stuff is that stuff is always sort of hard to control for or, um, you know, really hard to, to boil down. So, you know, that's the world we live in. Lou says, I've met execs who don't care about play games, but I don't have a big enough sample size to, deter to der determine if that's the rule or not. The number one thing I know, at least for me in my experience, is very rarely do people play the games that they work on. Um, most of the time, people play other related games, but you don't shit where you eat basically yeah and, <laughs> and uh, you know i i also believe that there are plenty of execs of, out there who don't play or care about games but they you know that's they, true that's they, also true they care about it in so far as like you know you need a good product in order to make right like a bad yeah, product I mean, the new uh the new because you know so for anybody who doesn't know the blizzard ceo after all this stuff with the lawsuit you know he got axed and they gave it to another guy who's like an xbox alum mike mike abaras yeah he has been actually tweeting about and playing a bunch of WoW on stream. Like, he's been streaming playing WoW, um, which people seem to enjoy, I guess, because they think, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I so, don't so think like. He's making decisions about World of Warcraft development, but whatever, right? Like, the, the idea that he's playing the game that, you know he manages is an admirable thing yeah so i like you know when it, the, that announcement came out i looked at him and was like that's a fucking suit right like you know that that's like a businessman i think he's just trying to like you know prove some of his bona fides right like you know like i'm a, I'm a I mean, gamer frankly he's a better gamer than me man he's clearing plus 20s right mm -hmm. and i can't clear that right? he's playing the same class as me too he's playing he's playing fury warrior but you know i mean i i, I definitely know some people um I know some people, for instance, on the Warcraft team who are all Warcraft players, like, who play WoW. Um, but, um, you know, uh, most of the people I have met in game development just don't play the games that they, you know, if I'm working on whatever. This is true for me in Final Fantasy XIV, right? Like, I'm... Maybe, maybe like, ten years from now? Maybe five years from now. I'll, I'll be able to sort of get past it, but I can't look at that game and not think work. That's so, fair. Yeah. I've just never played fourteen. Yeah. Anyway, that's a very big divergence yeah. from from Free Guy. Really, the point is, is that I think Antoine is this caricature of like the evil, evil video game executive. I also think that it's bigger than that, right? Like, I also think that it's viewed as like the evil, like movie executive, the evil. TV, you know, like like the the focus on IPs, the focus on name recognition, all of that stuff felt to me like the way people complain about there are no original movies anymore. It's only IP, you know, yeah, it's yeah. only franchises or whatever. Which I understand that criticism certainly. People never turn out for original movies, unfortunately. Except it's like John Wick, I guess. Um, you know, it's really fucking funny is, like, the end of this movie has, like, a bunch of callbacks to, like, the MCU, which is, like... Oh, my God. That was the... I was honestly maybe on board for the movie up until that point. I was, like... Uh, th there was a joke that I thought was very real, which is um, they introduce Dude. So they introduce this big hulking version of free, the free guy, right? And, uh, and he's called Dude, but he has a bunch of placeholder, like, dialogue where he says, like catchphrase and then there's another one where it's like um he just said he has a list of three things and like the second thing is tbd and the third mm -hmm. thing is third thing here yeah. and I, I laughed really hard at that because that is a very real joke to me like a lot of the final names for like, for like trailers that i'll work on are like poo poo pee pee one 
dash copy. You know what I mean? There's like, because you do this kind of temple shit all the time, right? Oh, um, man. And I thought that was really funny. And then immediately after that, there was this thing about him pulling out the Captain America shield. And I was like, I was just so mad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, no. Um, and and they, they they played the fucking Avengers music, and then they had you know Chris oh, Evans cameo. And they it was like the oh. Chris Evans cameo, and then they did the Star Wars thing with the lightsaber, and the lightsaber didn't even cut his fucking arm. Yeah, no, and like you know, you know, I would have, <laughs> I would have been like, I would have not minded as much, except that like, not only did they pull a lightsaber, but they had like four characters be like, yeah, that's a fucking lightsaber, right? Like it's. Like, <sighs> Yeah, it it made that was the moment that broke me. That was the moment that really broke me. It I probably would have been in here saying nicer things about, for instance, like there's Jacksepticeye shows up, Pokimane shows up, a bunch of like Ninja so shows up. You can tell that Ninja was the big get because they actually like did some shots of him, right? Whereas everybody else was just like mailed in their fucking stream footage, right? Like yeah, I know, right? Oh my god, and and like that stuff didn't bother me at the time, but. After this MCU shit, I was just like, that's the kind of thing that I'm like, this is horse shit. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so much. Really, though, I think, so, on a, on a, like, on a real kind of critical level, the thing that is bad about Free Guy is, uh, it's very screenwriting 101. I think that's the, like, the core problem. The, I actually think that a lot of the cinematography, the editing is fine, you know, the acting is whatever. I kind of, like, don't love this for Ryan Reynolds. I think he's pretty bad in the part. But I also think that he really loves this movie and wanted to make this movie. And I could tell that he want you know, like, I could tell that he wanted it. I just don't think that he's very well, super well suited for it. Um, and um, the... Uh, and like it's, and like the editing was really good. That was the thing that I was really surprised. At. I was like, wow, like this is actually a pretty well put together, you know, film on terms of like and the, like lighting was bad. This is something that happens with a lot of TV directors. Sean Levy is famous. He's like the Stranger Things guy, um, and so I think he just it's just too bright. There's too much light everywhere. There's no shadows, um, which is something that you do when you're lighting for TV. But it is. I don't like it in movies. I think it looks. I think it looks bad. But otherwise, there's like a lot of neat shit in here that I would be like, oh wow, like you know, they do stuff with focus where you know when they're um, when they're doing this romance stuff, the background is always out of focus, which kind of brings their. It, it, first of all, it brings those characters more into the fore, and it also creates sort of like a visual motif of when the two main characters are doing romance shit. Their romance shit is has this you know visual effect that stuff is neat and, and and nice and fine right but at the end of the day you're producing a script and the script here is just very screenwriting 101 it's i need to get the thing oh i'm gonna run away from the thing there's a big fun and games montage in the middle i was actually kind of hoping that it would be more of a time loop movie because there's aspects of that in there but they don't do any of the fun time loop shit yeah yeah so i don't know that's yeah. my that's my overall take is that is this is a bad script I would agree with that. There's also some, like, weird, like, I think technically the editing is good. I would agree with you on that. But, like, the, like, similar sequencing is, like, weird and bad. Like, there are a couple times that similar things just happen, but the one that sticks out the most in my mind is, like, uh, our female lead is, like, sitting at a computer, and something happens that she needs to leave the computer, and then she's, like, walking down the street and gets a call from, like, from, like, Steve from Strange. And then she walks back, back to her from, house. You know, I remember that. that. I remember <laughs> that happening. What? Yeah. Why? Yeah. What, where, where were you going? <laughs> 
Exactly. And there's something like that happens a couple different times. Um, and then to my to my very earlier point about like if you're a game, there's like some things you just like didn't make sense from like a very video game perspective, right? Like, you know, it's like they're like, you're the NPC, you don't fight back. I'm like, what kind of game is this where you know you just rob a game with zero rob a bank with zero effort is that like yeah a thing right like 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 this is like just like not how games work right like we're like the idea that like this dude who found this very rare clip has it hidden in his house instead of like it being like the most viewed thing on youtube right yep. like you know um, although no, I will say that whole bit with him, this is another thing that endeared me to the movie, is its ex excellent and expert use of Channing Tatum, who is a modern miracle of acting. I am more and more convinced every day. But Channing Tatum as that guy and cutting between him and his like, like dweeby real world avatar was super funny and really good. And I just, I love, I love Channing Tatum. And this is such a great part for Channing Tatum to just kind of like, I don't know, ooze all over. Oh, God. That that bit that bit was really good. Even if, yes, yeah. I agree that the overall plot mechanics are pretty stupid. Um, although I will say, so, something that, like, seemed, rang is really funny to me is, like, the, the plot device where, like, their game is, like, stapled in, like, off in gray space outside of the world, like, that's actually, like, really real. Like, that feels like, like that, there's, like, a, a real thing I've seen places, right? Like, just, like, stuff stapled into the background that, like, kind of, like, it, like because you see that in video games, right? Like, you go back yeah, to the Yeah, I was, I, I was thinking about, it, like, the, the famous example I can think of is WoW Bunnies, right? Where most WoW designers, when they're doing stuff, right? Like, if you see, like, a thing play out in the world there's usually an invisible bunny under it that is like the thing marking it in the world because bunny is like the top of the critters list or whatever so you just make the thing target the bunny or spawn on the bunny or whatever and then make the bunny invisible and it's like that kind of that that stuff honestly yeah. is all over games every any game i've ever worked on or any game i have ever you know kind of like seen the back end for is full of shit like that um mostly because it's just you know like honestly it's just sort of an efficiency like time saver thing um for people who play wow in the chat by the way animal orbs are like this and you can actually see it so when you pop an animal orb in torgas and that has that effect right that effect goes to the ground and if you look at the ground from a certain angle you can actually see the outline of the bunny that is the thing that's is holding the animal orb in place that's amazing. No, but like, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole build being in the game is a little weird and awkward because it's like, a map, like what the, f the file size of that would be ridiculous, right? So um, you're, you're you're right, but like, you know, like I have like we copied this piece of code here because we don't actually know how it works, and like you know, it just kind of we just kind of leave it alone, and we just like take yeah. the outputs and inputs. That feels very real to me. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's probably big, but like, it was a small indie game, maybe not, right? Like, you know, like we couldn't figure out how to actually extract their AI system, so we just kind of like, you know, uh, pulled it out. I mean, that that whole kind of like licensing thing there was was a little bit wonky, and like the, the other, like you know, like while he's smashing up the servers, right? It's like. Yeah, it's not going to be like, you know, he's, uh, it's not oh, like, like he's deleting the thing in yeah, motion not... or whatever. Part of, part of my frustration is that a game like this obviously is going to have dozens of servers. So like it, that, it doesn't matter. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, for, for latency purposes, the... they're not all going to be in the tsunami headquarters, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was exactly my thought. I was 
like how the fuck is this the most popular game in the world that everyone is playing on a single phase of you know free city or whatever right and it's not like and the beach isn't going to be on one server and the other thing's going to be on another server right like it's going to be like all sharded and like but like you know that's that is you know classic that, that is like technical mm-hmm. nitpicky mm-hmm. bullshit absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't think that's i don't think that's fair at all <laughs> yeah yeah so i want to go back a little bit to my ryan reynolds thing because i want to dwell on this point um i think ryan reynolds is not great for this part and here's why the the core function of guy is that he's a fundamentally sincere like upstanding dude he is noble he is a nice guy and the the comedy is that he is this naive he just doesn't understand the wider world right um the frustration i have with that is that ryan reynolds whole persona is deadpool at this point yeah he's so winking and so sarcastic that i cannot take him dead seriously anymore which is part of this like like fundamental failing in the script right you know if this was if honestly if this was chris evans right who just spent the better half of this playing captain america or like henry cavill right um playing superman who are these characters who are believably and earnest they're believably earnest and sincere right um, this would this would work a lot better, and I want to relate this back to the a very important moment in in the film franchise, uh, the Fast and Furious, which is in Fast Eight, the Fate of the Furious, F- Eight, if you will. Um, you have Vin Diesel on one side, who, as I've said before, is taking this shit so seriously, like he thinks he is he is going to win an Oscar, right? You know, Patrick Willem said that, you know, when when Vin Diesel is talking about family, he thinks he's doing Shakespeare, right? And then you have The Rock on the other side who is winking at the camera, you know, he's he's charismatic, he's fun-loving, things aren't never going to be too serious. He's going to he's going to be, you know, this living cartoon or whatever. Those things have tension is the exact same tension. Ryan Reynolds is The Rock. And Guy is Vin Diesel, and the the disconnect there creates so much friction that I had a really hard time with this. Yeah, I, for whatever reason that didn't that didn't bother me as much, but I definitely see where you're, where you're coming from, right? That like he like like to me like the fact that he is kind of winking at the camera kind of works just because like that's like what this movie is, right? Like the, mm-hmm. that's that's the whole the whole point. Of the movie. So it, it doesn't bother me as much, but I definitely I definitely see where you're coming from there. Um, and yeah. I understand it. Honestly, uh, everybody else did it. For, I mean, I didn't. I didn't love Buddy, right? Like the the Kevin Hart guy, obviously. Um, but I really enjoyed both Millie and Keys. Uh, the guy, this guy who plays Stephen, is great. He's great in Stranger Things, which we know because he's kind of like, you know, in Stranger Things he plays that archetype, but like he kind of evolves into a cool guy even after being, like, the shitty bully archetype or whatever. And then in seasons two and three, he kind of really comes into his own and is um, and is a more, like, fully-fledged kind of character. And I think that, like, this guy is just a really solid character actor who did a really solid job, right? Um, I think the character of Antoine is sort of, like I said, he's kind of this, like, almost, like, propagandistic figure. Um, this, like, straw man version of evil, you know, game executives or whatever. But he's fun in the part, you know. Yeah. He, he goes, he's hammy, and that's fun, you know. Um, even the guy, like, Mouse or whatever, the, you know, Keys' partner, who is also sort of, uh, you know, like a developer, 
he he also read very like real to me right like he reminds me you know i had this thought in the theater because he um uh keys wore a policeman's uniform when they were going in the game to like kill the guy right which is what i would do right like that's me to be in like the rp and then mouse wears the bunny suit which is something that you would do right not take the game fucking seriously just i'm gonna go i'm gonna use the bunny skin because why not or whatever and i remember laughing at that in the theater i was like this is a really this is a really accurate dynamic no no i i, I absolutely get it right like I, I i think i think you're right the thing that bothered me about him was like he he like seemed like he was supposed to have an arc and it just kind of like was told to us that like he had an arc rather than like actually like happening if that makes sense right like he yeah like... I, he went kind of one moment too far i thought there was a point when he he was this voice of reason where he kept being like but antoine think of the players right and like you can imagine that this guy is like an asshole that he's flaming people in his overwatch matches that he you know hears a girl on comms and tells her to go get a sand to go you know, make me a sandwich or whatever. But at least he cares about the gamers, you might say. Like, that seemed to be the arc that I thought that they were setting him up for. And he eventually does execute on that arc, but he does it so late by, at this point, he has done so much heinous shit. He's, like, deleted all of these, you know? I don't know. I thought that that was, um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) just like, like, you know, the end of the movie is like, Keys is my boy. It's like, you haven't acted like that at all. You kind of told him off at the yeah. beginning of the film. In fact, and... you kind of threw him under the bus. Yeah. In fact, like, um, and then and then he's working with them at you know fake indie studio. He's like programmer number three, but you know I guess it's all made up because he told he told Keys to like go ask Millie out, and it's like yeah, it finally happened, right? Like, I was honestly really what I was like, holy fuck, is. He's gonna get cucked by like the fucking Ryan you know, the AI that he designed or whatever because like is that the moral of the moral? I, I tweeted this yesterday, which was completely unrelated to this, right? Um, which was I said um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I said I think everybody missed how bleak Ryan Gosling fucking his AI was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and that was because I watched a trailer or I I watched something. I I might have watched a review, right? Like what somebody said about Free Guy. Um, where they explained, like, the premise that, like, the romantic lead is Ryan Reynolds and he's falling in love with the real or whatever. And I was like, uh, where are they going to go with this? Yeah. Are they going to uh, – uh, who knows, right? So so I, I, I think – so just to comment on the 2049 thing, right? Like, that picture I, I tweeted in reply to you, which is, like, Ryan Reynolds looking up at the giant version of his, of his AI girlfriend. Yeah, like, that is the moment when it is so – awful and heart because she has died right yeah she's almost sort of sacrificed herself for him um in a way and then he and then the version of her that's the giant purple version like is trying to sell him a new one and it's just like yeah that's so bleak the only thing I'm going to disagree with you on that is that nobody noticed it because I had I saw so many people who had that fucking picture as her avatar on Twitter and it's kind of Time. I like I like Blade Runner 2049 a lot, and at the time I commented on this because I really don't like the movie Her by uh, it, I can't remember. That's um, somebody. Joaquin Phoenix is in there, Scarlett Johansson, um, where he falls in love with his AI or whatever, and that is like a sweet sort of. It's sad. It's a little bit sad, kind of like Eternal Spotless is sad, but it's like a you know it's a romantic movie at the end of the day, right? 
And the thing that always bothered me... Spike Jones is who it Spike was. Spike Jones is, yeah, Spike Jones is who I'm thinking of. Yeah, the jackass guy. The jackass guy making these, like, indie darling movies, right? So Spike Jones makes her, and the thing that bothers me about her has nothing to do with the film itself or the writing or the acting. It's just the raw premise of it, which is that, like, th- that's not how that would go. That is not how that would go at all. And Blade Runner 2049 gets it. You're going to fuck your AI, and it's going to leave you this horrible, empty person. And really, like... Anyway, so I thought that that might be where they go with Free Guy, where I was like, maybe they're going to do a thing where she, like, uploads her consciousness into the thing, or she creates an AI version of herself or something. Um, But they end up doing the sweet thing, which is, like he is a love letter to you from the other developer and they get together and that's fair enough, you know? (laughs) Although I will say that like, so there are like four different, like gets hit by a car in the middle of the street gags in this movie. And then they run out into the middle of the street and hug each other. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because he gets hit by the train. And then there's another one where he gets hit. I think this is actually a bit. So, do you know about the Brad Pitt getting hit by car meme? No, I'm not, I'm not familiar. This is like an ancient, ancient internet meme where one of the first, I think it was one of the first videos, not even on YouTube, but like on another clip thing, is a moment from the movie Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt's character walks across the street and he gets hit by two cars in this amazingly like spectacularly brutal car crash where he's walking and then one car hits him and he flies into the air and then the other car and then he falls onto another car and he like flies into the air and the thing that made it funny at the time is that Micho Black is a very dramatic movie right um, Micho Black is about the avatar of death taking over Brad Pitt's body and leaving the, the, you know, like the Grim Reaper, essentially, and leaving the responsibility of killing people behind because he wants a break and he falls in love with a human woman or whatever. And the thing that made that so funny was the, just like, it comes out of fucking nowhere in this incredibly sincere, you know, like, drama, right? About, like, oh, the philosophical pontifications on obligation and death or whatever. And there's this moment in the movie where Brad Pitt just gets completely demolished by a fucking car anyway i'm pretty sure when guy gets hit by the two cars exactly like that it is that moment like i feel like i maybe i'm crazy i feel like i it's it's an inside joke that they recreated that frame for frame or whatever um and 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 like that's where that was coming from so yeah people getting hit by cars is a big thing yeah, and then they run out into the middle of the street at, at the you know at the denouement, I guess, of the movie, right? Uh, and uh, what was oh um and so Nick says in the chat uh, this may be a great transition to a fantasy thing though like an isekai like a, I don't know if you've watched any isekais, buddy, uh, like the, the the anime genre where it's like transported to a fantasy world. Usually, it's like the the protagonist like gets hit by a car or something, and then they like wake up in in a fantasy world or something. Or that's part that's one of the versions of it. Um, but yes, that would that would be a fun ending uh, to, to to the movie. Is like they get hit and they just wake up inside of their, their stupid indie game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean even the indie game itself, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here because obviously I love indie games and um, I think that there are good indie games that are sort of similar to this. But this game, which is just like oh, you just go and you watch 
you watch NPCs go about their lives or whatever. And I just want, I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, that game would be boring as fuck. Nobody would buy that game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it also depends too, right? Like, cause like the thing that immediately popped in my mind is like the, the comparison they're trying to, the, the Sims, Nick points out, which makes sense. No, but the Sims, you have control. This is the thing. The Sims, you control them, right? Yeah. You direct all of their mood. You are, you are, and it is very gamified, right? You are trying to achieve these goals, make money, get better stuff, have these, you know, Sims get promoted in their jobs or whatever else, right? Um, but, you know, I don't, and, and the part when they had all the streamers be like, yeah. I'm really thinking about not killing NPCs for a while, um, which is just like See, no, that. No, nobody would ever, well, no, so ever the, in their lives do that. I feel like the thing that got to me though was like, is, is that like they play it like you know, like all games are like dumb shooters and like you know the world needs some like something. It's like there's plenty of games that are like not like like that, right? Like Second Life is like it was a huge MMO, right? Still is a huge yep. MMO, right? Like you, know, you don't need to like, I don't know. It, this, these, these were like the things that like that like scratched at me. There was like you know, this doesn't make sense from like somebody who knows like a little bit about video games, right? Like some of it does, but like some of it really doesn't, which just is kind of like irritated me. I feel like it's written. I don't know. I don't know anything about these writers, so I'm speculating. But I feel like it's written by a guy who is like, you know, he plays GTA Five and he plays Call of Duty. GTA Five is a really big influence. You can yeah, yeah, here or whatever. Um. And, and he plays Call of Duty, and you just kind of assume that this guy is, like, you know, he doesn't pay any attention to games sort of beyond that. He buys the Call of Duty every year, and, you know, between updates on whatever, maybe he'll go play, like, Battlefield or whatever. And, and has a very shallow understanding of how, of like, how games actually... It, it's just so weird. It's like, it's like saying... It's like if one of these satire movies about movies doesn't recognize that there are like dramas that exist or whatever it's like you know what we need less action it's, it's like tropic thunder imagine if tropic thunder ended with going like you know maybe we don't need big blockbuster action movies anymore maybe we need thoughtful thoughtful character dramas where you, you know actors get to get to really act or whatever it's like obviously these exist we all know these exist right which tropic thunder makes fun of this right like because it has the fake movies within the movie making fun of oscar babe movies and i feel like if you're going to do the same thing for video games you just need to do your homework better than this right um at least to be convincing i guess yeah, yeah. convincing to somebody who knows what they're watching right like i i again I'm, I'm a little bit like if this is aimed at like my mom right like maybe i get it right like you know it's like my mom probably thinks that all video games are all violent and that maybe we could use some like you know some nice peaceful video games Cause she does like she still calls all video games Nintendo, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but like anybody who like actually plays these games, um, I, so there's some there's something in the back of my memory, and maybe I'm misremembering this, but I think at some point, like maybe like 10, 15 years ago, Ryan Reynolds said that like video games are for children or something, and like maybe he's trying to atone for that now, um, like you know, like all these years later, but uh, no. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, this seems like. This seems like the perfect movie for Henry Cavill. I yeah. wish to God. Because, like, part of his, you know, whole thing is that he's, like, also a gamer, you know? Um, and so I feel like this is, like, the perfect kind of, I don't know, just the perfect kind of movie for somebody like him. Or even somebody like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a better 
other person. I just feel like Ryan Reynolds is really not correct for this part. Mm. At least the part of Guy himself, in the way that the way that he is that he is written. I see that. Uh, I get it. You know who would be great for this? I feel like Paul Rudd would be great in this in this position. Paul Rudd probably would be great, actually. Because he could. Yeah, he could... I was th- the the thing I thought immediately was Jack Black because Jack Black kind of had like Jack Black, the YouTuber, famous YouTuber Jack Black, mm. right? Um, <laughs> and and he understands video games. You can tell like Jumanji, which I think the is the best. Have I said that Jumanji is the best, the best video, video game, game movie? many times? Yes. yes, it is. Okay, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if I had laid staked that claim. I'm, I have staked that claim. Jumanji is the best movie about video games, right? And one of the things that makes that work work so well is Jack Black gets it. Um, also, The Rock gets it. To be fair, but The Rock would not work in this at all. Um, so you know, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Oi. So, we got anything else to say about this movie? Man, I, do, I feel like we talked about most of it. What else did I think about this movie? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, other... Script uh, is bad. Ryan Reynolds isn't right for the part. Game development is nothing like this. You yeah. know, like... <laughs> I've got a couple more, more calls in that way. Like, the, the, one of the things that, like, leapt out at me, and just, just from, as, like, a, uh, uh, as a, um, a software guy, or, like, a, a software engineer, right, is, like, they're, they're kicking him out of the building, and he, like, apparently he was doing all of his development on a personal laptop that they're letting him keep. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my God, the rules on that are so insanely strict. This is another thing that people will never understand about AAA gaming, right? The, the rules on how you are able to, like, do the work are incredibly strict because nobody ever wants the code getting out. Um... You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, let's, you know, like. Yeah, every, I mean, that's just, right, good information security, right? Yeah, every, every job I've worked at, like, you know, it's, the, the computer's been, like, dedicated to that, you know, like, it's, it's been a company computer, right? And, like, they didn't all, they weren't all, like, super locked down or whatever, but, like, if you're fired, your lap, like, the first thing is your laptop's getting taken from you and you're being, you know, frog marched out of the building, right? Like, you know, it's, yep. it's. Also, uh, Nick notes in the chat, director Sean Levy originally read the script in 2016, but passed on it. Several years later, Levy was introduced to Ryan Reynolds by Hugh Jackman, a mutual friend, and the pair decided to work on Free Guy after rereading the script together. Ryan or Reynolds, who also produced the film, said, I haven't been this fully immersed and engaged in something since Deadpool. So yeah, I definitely agree that, that Reynolds was too involved in making the movie to not star with it. This is actually a pretty common thing um, where... where um, a big movie star like if like one of the things that they say to like screenwriters is like if you write your script and can get a big movie star attached to it that's the way it gets you know that's like the way it gets sold right because like you know the number of scripts that producers and directors buy far outweigh the number of scripts that ever get produced right most screenwriters make their money by selling scripts that don't get produced because nine out of ten of them never go anywhere right um, but if you do want one of your scripts to make it to the big screen, the best way to do that is to like get a you know get a big actor attached to it in whatever version that that that, that looks like. So I definitely I definitely feel that. I also just wonder if um, I don't like I wonder if Ryan Reynolds kind of understands where he falls in the sort of movie it's sort of like the actor pantheon right like does he understand the sort of implications of him starring in a movie at this time and date i don't know right um whereas for instance like i think will smith who has made a lot of really bad movies recently will smith really understands the movies he's in and he the the parts 
he kind of tailors to him, except for his song in Aladdin, which is really bad because he, they don't they don't change it, and I hate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry, it's a whole it's a whole other thing. I have lots of thoughts about Will Smith and his career. You know, he was the biggest he was the biggest you know movie star in the world for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. And by that I mean his the career. Rock. Oh, <laughs> Will Smith did not see what The Rock. I guess there's probably somebody between them. Maybe, maybe like Tom Cruise in the early 2010s before The Rock really took like took off mm-hmm. uh, was a bigger was a bigger movie star. The only other thing about this movie that like uh, like really caught my attention was that this has like an 84 percent critic rating and a 96 percent fan rating on Rotten Tomatoes, at least when I checked that, I was like, well, I guess I can't trust anybody anymore, because this movie is terrible. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> is it because they don't understand? Maybe it's just the game dev stuff. You know, like, because we're too close to tech industry, yeah. you know, and too close to games itself, you know, like... So, so know. this might be just, like, another one of my kind of, like, Rotten Tomatoes rants, right? Like, you know, one of the best highest rated movies of Rotten Tomatoes is Paddington, which I thought was, like, whatever it's like it's not bad enough to get a thumbs down so like you probably get thumbs ups and that's what the score is right is like the the ratio of positive things so like even if it's like a soft thumbs up because it doesn't matter like you end up with high scores metacritic is only 70 to 62 is is, uh, nick points out which you know makes sense to me right like you know if you give it like a middling to First of all, I think Metacritic has a lot more gamers on it. And saying if you give it to, like, a middling score, then you're going to, like, you know, that'll look like a thumbs up on a Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but it, it's it's still bad, uh, you know, like, or it, it'll, it'll you, you'll, in a numerical rating system, you'll be pushed down the scale, but, like, in kind of, like, a thumbs up or down, you'll end up with a thumbs up. Um, and that's Listen, uh, the only review I need to know is Doug Walker from Channel Awesome, and he says, though familiar, Free Guy has enough charm from his main lead and its supporting cast to get a fair amount of laughs with a fair amount of heart. <laughs> I don't have, I, I don't actually hold Doug Walker in high esteem. I recommend everybody go watch the foldable human video on Doug Walker's The Wall, which famously was like the internet lol cow for a couple of days. Um, a couple of years ago, but yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I this re- reading some of these makes me feel, I don't know. D- Doug Walker Maybe, is like uh, it's like a meme within himself at this point, right? He, yeah, he really is. But I'm just like I'm looking at some of these like Ryan Reynolds is at top scale in this clever video game comedy, like person who's I never played just, a video game. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. It's oh, like what's that clever about it? I did not think this movie was no, clever it, at all. I mean, like, there were some, like, there were some, like, decent jokes in it, right? Like, there were times that I laughed, right? Like, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. like, you know, like, uh, like, I was a little disappointed, honestly, with the, with, like, I thought him taking off his glasses and putting it on dude was, like, smart, right? Like, I thought, I thought there was going to be, a, like, that. this was going to be, like, you know, and your eyes have been opened and you are free now, dude, right? But no, it's just kind of like, he's a dumb meat sack thing, um, which was a little bit disappointing, but, you know. It is. It, yeah, it is I, I also liked that moment. You know, I don't know. Uh, fucking Black Widow has an eighty percent on this too, so you know, whatever. Ooh, that's interesting. Did I like this more? I liked Suicide Squad much more than this. I liked F Nine more than this. I don't know if I liked Black Widow more than this. Wow, is Black Widow the worst movie I've seen recently? 
don't know. I haven't seen Space Jam 2, which I I want to and should get around to at some point. Paw Patrol has 100% on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, it's the best movie of all time, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I really want, I'm trying to see if, like, Kotaku or, like, Polygon put out a, you know, like, I wonder what, like, a gamer, I don't know. Yeah. Oi, 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 oi. Um, this, why is this not working? I don't know. Oh, I, this Rotten Tomato site is, like, not good anymore. Like, there, there used to have, like, a nice thing on the left-hand corner, like, new at the box office. And it appears to not be working, and I don't get it. And I don't like new things, buddy, anymore. Um, I just, you know, I wanna, I want things to be the way they were when they were good back in like the aughts, because that's when everything good was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess. Uh, anyway, what else is? Uh, what uh, el- what else is going on? Do, are we done with Free Guy? Do we have anything left to say b- about Free Guy? I don't know if I can think of anything else. You got anything else? You Where does to... it fall in your like pantheon of video game movies? I mean, most video game movies are abjectly terrible. So like this, like, so I think one of the best comparisons to movies would be Ready Player One. I think this is worse than Ready Player One because Ready Player One at least had good spectacle. And Ready Player One, I think, had much more heart. Yeah, Ready I agree. Player One, you know, like Ready Player One, sidesteps this weird thing about, you know, is it is it a good idea to kill NPCs in video games or whatever? And it's just all about. I mean, Ready Player One is basically just saying your WoW friends are real. You know, like, yeah, that's yeah. The theme of that, which I think is a great. That's a, yeah. a, a perfect theme for a movie that is so about video games. And right? it hand waves all the technical stuff, right? Like it doesn't try. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. You know, there's one. There's one thing about that. I think we talked about this in our initial review, where the thing that he has to do is drive backwards. Yeah. And nobody ever drives backwards to to do the to do the race or whatever. It was like somebody would have done I mean, that. Somebody would have figured that out. No, but really, like I don't think minutes, there's yeah. anything else. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else in that movie that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, so the movie's a little bit cringe, but, like, it's, it's earnest, right? Like, yeah. Um, whereas, like, this movie just, this movie feels kind of, like, not only does it feel, like, schlocky, but it also feels, very, like, I don't, like, I think I'm with you in that, like, if they didn't do, like, this kind of, like, bullshit, like, like you know, tie-in montage at the end, I would have been a lot more on yeah. board with it. holy shit, I would have been so much happier. Yeah, like, like... <sighs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, that's free guy. I think you're all, <laughs> I think you're ultimately right that it's like, you know, it's it's a like it's a thing that it, like at the end of the day doesn't matter so much, right? Like But what have what have you done with your week? What have I done with my week? Um, so have I told you that I'm back? I've I've started playing Hearthstone again. Ooh. <laughs> After a year away from the game, I have come back to play Hearthstone, and it is fun, but also weird and bad, but also fun. Everybody does, well, it's, man, it is interesting thinking about looking at Hearthstone now compared to looking at it years ago, um, where, you know, the big complaint years ago was all of this, like, discover, random generation, right? Where you need to build in extra value to your deck than just the deck itself. Um, in order to in order to win these games, and I like that because I think it creates a lot of variance and it creates a lot of like fun interactions, right? Um, 
part of what makes Hearthstone fun is a lot of actually what I think makes EDH fun as a like commander as a magic format, which is that there is just a lot more the the decks aren't as consistent and there's there's a lot more variance. And I'm now in a situation that is almost entirely the opposite. There is not as much kind of like random generation in the game, mostly because the game is much faster. It's a very like aggro um it's very aggro meta and it's also what people are calling a solitaire meta um because there's a lot of decks that win with sort of otk they don't interact with your your board at all right um so for instance there is a there's a version of spell mage right now where your deck is all spells you use cards to reduce the mana cost of spells in your deck by a bunch and then you also use cards to um uh, you, you when you cast card like, spells of different schools, you cast a fire, frost, arcane spell. You progress through what's called a quest line, and a quest line has a couple of different things. You fulfill a thing, you get a thing, you fulfill a thing, you get a thing, and the final reward is a big powerful minion. The big powerful minion for mage says you have spell damage plus three for the rest of the game. So you slam that, and then you just go face with everything. You just fireball, fireball, you know, frostbolt, all this stuff, hitting face over and over and over. Um, that deck is pretty uninteractive. At the end of the day, that deck is just about completing his quest, not dealing with your board, ignoring your board, freezing your board, clearing your board, and then hitting you in the face with a bunch of spells at the end of the day, right? Um, which I have actually weirdly found to be pretty interesting, and I'm on board for it, and I think that that's cool, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, like, interested in the, the overall sort of context of this this meta and i'm really having to sort of like re process the metagame because i just haven't seen a lot of these cards before because i haven't played the last three sets right um and so even though hearthstone has gone in an entirely different direction than the direction i like for hearthstone it is fun which is a weird that's it that's my report on Hearthstone. oh also they added another thing called duels which are insanely fun and and this thing which um which is kind of like a pvp dungeon mode um where the dungeon mode is sort of this rogue like you build your you know you build a deck you take a bunch of um you take a card after each of the each of the things you get these treasures that make your deck function in like really crazy ways um I played a bunch of duels, and duels are nuts, because they are just insanely, you know, like, they're these insanely powerful hero powers and, and treasures, like, cards you put in your deck or whatever. But the interesting thing that I, th that I found about duels is that it's like Arena, but in the sense that you, you buy a ticket into it and you get a pack out of it if you do well enough or whatever, but you use your collection to build your initial starting deck. So your deck, the first 16 cards in your deck, are going to be cards from your collection. But you're then going to progressively add more and more cards randomly as you go, which I think is just like a neat, you know, digital card game sort of behavior. And uh, I'm probably going to play a lot more of it. I had a really good time with the with the duels that I did read. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, did we ever talk about Back for Blood? Because we played that like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, oh, we did play Back for Blood. What did you think about Back for Blood? I am. This is falling into the same problem that I always have with these types of games, which is like if everybody's not on board and communicating well, things go south really fast, and that is in, in unendingly frustrating to me. And sometimes it's me messing up too, right? Like, I, I screwed up a couple of doors, and we were played through, like, the first segment. But it's like, you know, someone shot the birds for fucked, right? Like, or, you know, and, or, like, you know, someone went, up a, uh, someone went up on a head without saying anything, right? And, like, fucked the team up, right? Like, and I just... 
like it's frustrating to me when people don't play that thing and also like it's not super fun for me to just like play like you know like follow the rules like you no know, you know follow the rules very strictly so that you get the maximum like that's just like not super fun to me so yeah i think i am a little bit also down on back for blood i think back for blood has potential i guess is what i'll say and i've played a lot of these games right in fact you know if any game has sort of defined but i feel like my play over the last year it is specifically wow the mythic plus six section of wow right that's most of what i'm playing wow for and that's most of what makes wow fun and it's a very similar thing right it's you and a couple of guys and you are running through the dungeon and you have kind of these objectives and stuff is affecting you and you gain power or whatever over the course of the dungeon and i just think that mythic plus is so well refined at this point you know, because it's just had it's been a game mode in WoW for years. You know, for for more than five years at this point, um, and it has just been iterated on enough that it's really fun and really engaging um, in a way that I'm not sure any of these other sort of like co-op PVE games um, have really sort of like hit the spot. They all kind of become weirdly rote at a point where you sort of just master everything. But the infinite scaling nature of Mythic Plus where you're just constantly going up and it's getting higher and higher. Um, and it's also very segmented out, right? Which is sort of like Rifts and Diablo or, or similar, similar to this, right? Where um, the, you know, it's not just about progressing from like easy to, to hard. It's progressing from plus two to plus 15. There's a lot more breakpoints in there to get more and more difficult as you, as you increase. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's sort of my that's sort of my thing. It just feels like Back for Blood is extremely unrefined in the face of better games that have been around longer doing this thing, you know. I think over I, time. I think I agree with you on that. I think I think the uh, like part of it's like the mastery has to feel like it matters in a certain way, right? Like like um, and that like you're kind of building in a way that's like satisfying instead of just doing the same thing over and over again. And not that I played enough back for Blood to like really get there, but like I could feel it starting to creep in. Like I felt this a lot. I felt this a lot with Destiny, right? Like at a certain point, I stopped caring about like doing the content in Destiny because it was all very similar. And like there's only so so far that like really nice feeling shooting can carry you. And like I enjoyed Destiny at some point, mostly for the multiplayer because that was like a, a classic kind of shooter thing, which is something I can get into. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, like. Um, like the thing I think that works for, for me for raiding, and for and for mythics. Even though I haven't I haven't done a ton of mythics myself, but like I can see how I, I would like them. It's like, you know, number go up, right? Like my mythic, like you know, mythic rating goes up for for me in raids. It's like getting my you know hitting DPS parses, right? Like, that's the thing that I can like get into enough to care about. But like, it feels like that just isn't. It didn't feel like I, I was there in, in Back for Blood. So yeah. Yeah, I also think that on an execution level, because in a weird way, because WoW is slower and um, more intricate in terms of rotation, right? You have better kind of cognitive feedback. I know. So okay, one of the things I like about Arms Warrior is that Arms Warrior is a very complicated spec, right? Where you want to you don't, you don't want to max out on rage. Right, you never want to be at a hundred rage, and then you hit an auto attack, and then your all of that extra rage gets dumped essentially, right? Because any rage that you generate past one hundred doesn't count. That is a waste, right? 
Um, but you also don't want to be too low on rage because every six seconds you want to press Mortal Strike. It's the strongest ability in your rotation, and if you don't hit, you like most of your DPS comes from Mortal Strike. So it's about okay, I have to have at least thirty rage every six seconds, but I don't want to go above a hundred rage. You know, like I don't want to sit too much because if I sit too much, you know, like and there and there's a lot of tension to that, right? Where I'm also going. Um, you know, like, okay, I'm going to sneak a slam in here to get an overpower, which increases my, you know, like, and to try and find additional damage, but it's also like, okay, I'm going to sit on this global cooldown, I'm going to sit on this GCD, because I want to save that rage for the mortal strike that's going to come up in a second, or whatever, right? Like, that's a very complex set of tactics that are just happening on my execution level, which tends not to happen in these shooters, right? Um, with shooters, it is basically just hit the guy, maybe hit the head, so maybe time your reloads right on an execution level which i think that is complex and i think that that is intricate right but there's not a lot of moments where i'm sitting in a shooter and i'm like i should have reloaded i should have taken that second of downtime to reload my guns right there is a, there are a lot of times when i'm executing my rotation in wow where i'm like fuck that slam was not worth it right i i gimped myself because I delayed my mortal strike by a second and a half or something, right? You know, like you know, like these sorts of things where when am I overextending? When am I saving? When am I holding my cooldowns, right? Like that kind of stuff um, are just like more complex decisions than any of the decisions I really had in in Back for Blood. Um, and I don't really know what you do about that, right? Like the complexity even goes up from there if you think about it i mean like in terms of mythic plus i'm very rarely part part of what i've talked about on the cast is that i almost don't even ever think about my rotation it is entirely like functioning in the back end of my subconscious at that point because what i'm thinking about are what are the enemies i'm facing what needs to be interrupted what needs to be stunned how can i you know do this like all those sort of macro decisions and i think those decisions do come across well in a game in games like Back for Blood, Killing Floor, like those, you those decisions are definitely in there, um, but just like the 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 raw execution level, which it feels like is the building block to a more macro strategic level, just isn't, I guess, which is frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we have a troll in the chat, you guys. AQ40 Fury Warrior. Mm -hmm. With purple scarab boy for life, Sunder armor on repeat. Listen, I understand. I understand these memes. Uh, I miss. There are times when I miss Sunder armor. I had a big conversation about this with some of my game dev friends, where we were talking about maintenance buffs, right? Which are these buffs that, uh, like, slice and dice is a big one for rogues, right? Which is uh, just something you 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 want it up at all times. It increases your attack speed by a bunch. Use keep slice and dice up. Is that fun gameplay or is that like boring and bad? Um, and I kind of feel like there are two. Yeah. 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 No, uh, monks used to have one, like because Tiger Palm and something else used to be, like there used to be a filler ability, and then the Tiger Palm had to be hit every once in a while to like keep up the buff. Oh, you're right. It was Jab. It was just called Jab. Yeah, right? Jab was the Where basic. Tib tiger Palm put up. Yeah, so you buff. Tiger Palmed to like ignore some armor, and you just had to keep the Tiger Palm buff up. Actually, so I my my argument is that is good game design. I think it's important to have basic things in a rotation to master, right? And yes, that does suck if you are very good at the game and you understand the importance of this stuff. That can feel kind of like trite. Um, but I think having kind of like easy breakpoints to help people sort of ease into, you know, like a mastery curve is, is good. And I think that's good game design. 
I disagree because it makes it much easier to be very worse. Uh, <laughs> really interesting. I mean, really? I mean, this is. I mean, this is, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, right? But like, just like like some of the people that I like that I've done. Um, I guess LFR is the biggest example. It's just like mm. you look at like how they're like parsing. It's like, are you even like hitting buttons on the GCD, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> I, you know, I, I I totally get this. But the thing, my thing is, is that, like, um, <laughs> I totally get that, to be honest. I, you know, like, I've had friends who have come to play the game, and um, and they just, frankly, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm sitting there, at the, the, you know, maybe they're streaming on, like, Discord or Twitch or something. And um, I had one friend who was playing Arcane Mage, and they were, and they hadn't played the game for a very long time, and they just came back. Right, and they were playing Arcane Mage, and they thought that the best way to play Arcane Mage was to spam Arcane Missiles because Arcane Missiles deals the most damage. Right, it is the most obvious when it comes to doing number to number. Arcane Arcane Missiles is what is what you is what you cast. Arcane Missiles has a very hefty mana cost though, and the point of Arcane Missiles in the rotation is that yes, it does do big damage, but it also costs big mana. And if you just spam Arcane Missiles on repeat, you will oom the shit out of yourself, and you can't do anything, right? So really, the you know the what you should be doing is Arcane Blast, and then you doing the kind of kind of the, the real rotation or whatever. And I think that um, you know that's no, <laughs> that's no, I, yeah, yeah, no, right? but like. It's, I don't know. I just feel like you 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 need a ramp for folks and being able to say keep slice and dice up all the time. That'll help you do better. Yeah, is a nice thing. I, I guess I guess the the flip side of that I see is like that's a thing that for them not to keep up and for them not to like be be helping with. Um, but you know, I I, I I think I think you're you're probably right. It's just a matter of like you know getting people into the right place and like LFR doesn't matter so much. Um, you know, I've. If I'm going to be frank, I think, like, maybe a couple expansions ago, the guild was a little bit worse about this. Like, I, I remember being yeah. like, I don't play this game enough to be this high up on the DPS charts for our guild. Um, and I feel like that's less true now, which is good. Um, uh, mm. uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I think that also... I think that also part of it is that you you get better at this stuff over time humans are naturally progressive right is one of my this is my core philosophy right we get better at things over time um and that includes playing you know playing video games so after, at a certain point if you have been playing the video game for years on end you're just gonna naturally get better at you're just naturally gonna get better at it there are people in the raid now who i will like compete you know like i'll compete for the top spot with those people who five years ago i would have said like they're garbage <laughs> yeah. i mean honestly i was pretty garbage five years ago like i think the the player that i am now is just much better i never would have been getting you know i remember trying so hard to time a plus 14 dungeon in legion it was just the hardest possible thing i could not figure out we just couldn't we just didn't have the dps for it we didn't have the healing for it we just wiped to shit or, or whatever and now i'm like that's a baby key. Those that is baby mode, right? Like, yeah, no, that's. I'm sure that's. Yeah, that's that's definitely it's definitely fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I fundamentally agree with you that like you you get better as the game as you play. And I think there's like natural pushes in that direction, right? Like, I I know that there are points where like I start to like be like, oh, how do I push this a little bit more? It's like, oh, I'll take the optimal choice instead of the one that's a little bit easier, right? Like, um, 
yeah. Uh, yeah, I also think that there are small things. So, for instance, people... I don't think people quite understand the value of a very good opener in in Warcraft raiding, right? Like, something that I do that's specific to my class, for instance, is um, my opener includes popping Avatar, hitting Colossus Smash, and then hitting a Mortal Strike, and then Blade Storming, right? Um, which is just because Mortal Strike is so powerful, it's, you know, it's like 40% of my damage at the end of a parse. It's going to come from Mortal Strike, right? That when you're Blade Storming, you want Mortal Strike to be on cooldown for the duration of the Blade Storm. So you Mortal Strike, Blade Storm, Mortal Strike. That is, a, that is a stronger opener than a version where you run in Avatar, you know, Colossus Smash, Blade Storm. But I think there are a lot of people who won't slide in that Mortal Strike. And it probably doesn't affect things by too much, but, you know in a world where that like you you are splitting those kinds of hairs in a parse those are the hairs to be split yeah no i absolutely agree absolutely agree um so what else what else have you been playing did you beat did you beat grime not yet um okay i've been bouncing around to some other things but i am trucking through it i am uh into i just finished I just beat the I just beat the the, the boss that I, I messaged you to talk about. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, what was what was his name. Uh, the vulture or no 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 this is um, Fidus. Fidus yeah okay like fancy Fidus or whatever his name is shapely Fidus. That's shapely Fidus. Yeah, um, I just beat him um, and I haven't gone back to it in a, in a, in a couple of minutes but um it's so. There, it's interesting running running through this game because I think it's I think it's very good, but like you can also see like li- like I can see like little things like little things that like like those platforms that slide in and out. Sometimes they're hard to see, right? Like sometimes mm-hmm. they don't, and like um, or like something that I thought was like very uh, like things that like I didn't quite see initially, like things I had to look up on guides were like those red vines that you can dash through. The first time I did it. I was like spaced so that I bumped into it. I was like, oh, I can't dash through these. This must be a thing. <laughs> yep, that would that would make it hard. Mm-hmm. Right, and so like, you know, I had I was like, well, where am I supposed to go now? I was like, oh, I can dash through them. I just like screwed it up the, on the first time, right? And like, I think the first time you see them, it's not like you have like a super easy um, run through it. Just like little things like that. Don't make the game bad. Just like, you know, it's lacking a little bit of polish, right? Like, um, yeah. I think that there's there's other like there's a moment in that whole section where there are I don't know if you did this there are spikes on the ground or whatever and, and you have to um, parry them yeah and you have to parry no, them but like, I didn't realize it's a to parry. huge thing it is all over like in the Discord and Steam or whatever people will be like how the fuck do I do these spikes or whatever and everybody gets to the replies and like you have to parry them and it, I you know on one hand I do think the game accurately communicates that because it is clear about what you can and cannot parry via kind of like coloring but it also just feels it does that doesn't feel correct in yeah. a way no sta- I, static i don't really know how to static static um uh what's it called static uh environment hazards don't feel like they, they're supposed to be parryable is I exactly think, yeah. yeah it really does it, it does not feel like it's supposed to be parryable so um so I, it's one of those things where i definitely get it um and it's like yeah i, I don't know i definitely no, get yeah it. um there, there's there, there's this moment where you're like riding on like one of those spool things and like there's just like a line of them bringing down like and like i got through it the first time just by like eating like i had enough health to like eat them all i'm like there's no way that this is the way i'm supposed to be able to get through this right it's just like eat like seven different hits right like <laughs> what so are you still going the strength build um yeah strength and a little bit of resolve and uh 
Uh, I've been putting up for you know, force and health as, as I've been going along too. Um, although okay. I might, I picked up the drill at some point and I increased my resolve to like be able to use the drill. So I might try and fool around with like, like the the, the wisp lantern and, and the drill. People people say that resonance builds resonance are a meme, but also that they're amazing. I think I think the default most people go dex. Yeah. Um, which I don't. I maybe maybe it just feels like I think I think part of it is that the the dex weapons were a little bit better on release, and then they got balanced pretty quickly. Um, uh, or I'm sorry, the strength weapons got buffed, not the dex weapons got brought down. So I think a lot of people sort of like invested in dexterity off the bat because it just felt the most you know, like the most accurately you you just did they did the thing the best right. Um, but apparently, I feel like resonance builds are really nuts, uh, and people and people on like the forums and stuff have been going crazy for uh, specifically the burst lantern because like the burst lantern has that unique interaction of like just like doing a fucking a gazillion damage to like bosses or like hunt enemies, right? So it's kind of like a really good weapon for the most dangerous mobs out there. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and like. Yeah. It's, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think, I think part of the thing with the dex weapons too is like, I think fast weapons just feel a little bit better because like, if you, if you're on a windup and you get hit out of it, it feels really bad, right? Like, and that's like half my life at this, but also like this little things like the, the unformed slab that I've been using, which I, I like, mm. um, like there's not a lot that I can toss anymore. So like, you know, like that, that, you know, the secondary use just like doesn't get used as much. And like really yeah. the wind up on the, the pillar slab is just a little too much for it to be like really useful. Um, mm -hmm. Like I've basically stopped. I've basically been using the unformed slab almost exclusively. Um, I've been switching out other things just to like feel it out. Um, Cause it took me, it took me a handful of, uh, of uh, attempts to, to get un to, to kill, to bring down shapely fighters. Um, uh, but you know, it's 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 a fun game. I'm, I've been enjoying it. Um, other things I've done, I've been playing. I've been playing some more Guilty Gear, which is just fun. They just announced a new character, Jacko, um, who's like an old character, but like is has it, there's it's dumb Guilty Gear lore, but I won't go into it. But like um, the big thing that was pointed out to me today is that um, the main character of Guilty Gear is Soul Bad Guy, right? Who is actually a good guy, and his real name isn't Soul Bad Guy. And that this is strange because there's this other character, Saul Goodman, who's kind of a bad guy. It's like this, <laughs> almost the same, the same name. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> no, but like so that that was that's been that that was fun. Um, also, friend, I've been playing. I dipped my toes back into Apex last week, which is a lot of fun. And uh, earlier this weekend, I played Splitgate, which is a it's in beta now. It's, I think, going to be free to play. It's like a Halo-style shooter, but with portals. Um, and okay. it's neat. Um, and it kind of scratches that itch a bunch. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be in it for the long term, but, like, it's got, like, it's got very, like, if the weapons feel very Halo-style. And the portal stuff is neat, but I haven't really gotten used to it enough to, like, really be into it. But, like, if you want some, like, TDM fun, I've been having fun with it. Um, those are the big things. The other thing is I finished Dune, um, and it's a great book. Highly recommend it to anyone. Um, and I've started on Dune Messiah, which is a bit different. Um, I might do the whole role on this. I don't know if you if you've any knowledge of like the Dune multiverse, but like you know, I don't. But I'm intrigued, uh, to say the least. I guess don't do it. 
I feel like all, almost all of these series end up in a pretty so, shitty place. So so par, um, so part of it is Frank Herbert writes six of them, and then he dies, then his son takes over, and people really don't like the son's books. But these, <laughs> these are the things that I have heard. Stop after the first one. Stop after the third one, like Lou says. Friend of the cast, actually, who is hyper-indexed, says uh, stop, at least read up to the fourth one, which has got Emperor of Dune. Um, people say stop after the Frank Herbert, Frank Herbert books, which are the uh, um, are the first six. Um, then I've heard some people say that you should read like so. They found some of his notes and they wrote two that are a continuation of the first. They wrap up what happens in the sixth book, um, but that involves skipping over the two prequel trilogies. I've also heard that the Brian Herbert stuff gets unfairly maligned because it's it's more pop sci-fi and they're fine in their own right, but. They're sitting in Frank Herbert's shadow, so they're bad. Uh, or so people think they're bad, even though they're not. Um, wow, this is a whole myriad of yeah. opinions. Okay. Um, and uh, people, like, and he keeps writing them, right? Like, like so there is a time, there's a 12-year time skip between the first book and the second book. And they're, mm. like, the books that, it, like, he's writing books right now that take place halfway, like, that, like uh, that take place between the first and the second book. So, you know. He's a, Man, could you imagine being the son of a super famous author and you inherit the IP to a super to a super famous IP and you just fucking publish your fan fiction? Yeah, no. that would be sweet. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and everybody hates you for it, but you don't care because you keep selling. And everybody hates it for it, but you don't care. You own it, right? Like, and people really like people Christopher Tolkien, it, right? I guess. Like, yeah, I, that that's also true, right? Yeah, yeah. People really like Christopher Tolkien, I guess. So, I maybe maybe they don't hate you for it necessarily. Yeah, but I don't know. Every science fiction series I have ever engaged with has devolved. At, at like at oh, some this, point. So, we, we've talked. This is Mango's Iron Rule of law build, or of world building. Anytime, absolutely. Every time, any world that goes on for long enough will get stupid. Like, yeah. I mean, even <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but yes. Uh, did, did you have a further thought? I didn't mean to in, in, interrupt. No, you. I mean, you know, I just think I was about to list off a million examples of that taking place yeah i mean like i feel i feel like we're getting there with wow right like especially if you look at the deep mm -hmm. stuff right like the deep fucking elder scrolls lore right like i've you know i've gone out about like the lessons of vivek long enough right like um i yeah i mean i people people really hate like current wow lore and i am very i like a lot of current wow lore specifically i i like wow lore kind of in the same way i like bvs which is that i can t sense that it's clear that they're being ambitious and i appreciate ambition a lot right um, I think the Sylvanas character arc and the Tyrande character arc are both, like, really ambitious stories to tell in, like, the modern version of WoW compared to, you know, Man Crick's wife or whatever, right? Very basic bargain bin sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, people really hate the, hate the lore of WoW. My problem, can I just say, my problem with people criticizing WoW is they say that the Jailer is Thanos because he can, needs to collect the sigils or whatever and open the thing and do the thing do the death thing the jailer is not thanos he is dark side because he's trying to mind control everyone he wants everyone to serve him that's that's his thing that's dark side's thing that's not thanos's thing thanos just wants to kill you dark side wants to subjugate you so that's my that's my gripe with current criticisms about like the jailer and wild lore or whatever <laughs> i'm sure we'll do like a big shadowlands you know like wrap up where we'll talk about all this stuff in the future but no i yeah. i think wow has aged a little bit better just because like the by by nature by its nature the narrative moves pretty slow 
but my my general rule is for fantasy worlds it gets dumb when it starts going when fantasy worlds start going to space is when it starts to get dumb right like i felt this way i feel this way basically about like a lot of the D D stuff that passes through too right like once you start like once you start going Extra to planar shit yeah yeah um and like i feel like um Usually, there's some version of uh, of, of going to space, yeah, right? Yeah, spell jammer, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I get that for sure. Or like, like. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I like this stuff with I like this stuff with Shadowlands. Part of my problem with WoW lore is that it's very speculative, which bothers me. Um, so, for instance, there's a, there's like a lot of mysteries about what's going on, right? And I think they're there because there's this community of like YouTubers or and like of just people in general who want to like decode wow lore right they want to they want to predict where it's going so they these are like the the prime the jailer turned the primus into the rune carver right like that's like a it's a thing it got confirmed in 9.1 which we like we learned about in the story or whatever um and i think that that's a little weird because this is a good version of it but like so for instance at the end of 9.1 we learn the jailer's whole backstory right he was the original arbiter he rose up against the first ones and his brethren on the pantheon of death cast him out you know and the the primus invented domination magic to subjugate him and confine him to the maw and all this you know like all this other stuff or whatever we're learning that now at the end of 9.1 when i'm just like why didn't we learn this right off the bat right like wouldn't wouldn't it have made sense for like the archon or the winter queen or anybody who's there right renathal is the first vent here obviously he would have been able to tell us this shit um to just kind of say like oh yeah the jailer that dude is the first is the first arbiter right and you know it, he he got cast out he's doing the satan story thing or whatever i feel like i spent all this time with the jailer in 9.0 where honestly he was really fucking annoying because he kept like whispering in my ear saying no one escapes the maw or whatever like dumb shit and i didn't really understand what he was or what he was doing and i like that there is this backstory now and i just sort of wish it came way sooner right and i feel like the reason that it didn't is because it left all this room for people to speculate and youtubers to make videos like you won't believe i'm you know connecting all the dots the the jailer was the original arbiter and i'm sure if you're the person who who pitched that and figured it out that's cool i'm sure that's great but oh god it's frustrating so that would require them to know where they're going for the with this story uh, so my my you're gonna hate me for this but you know the take is probably like, you know you got to keep the subs going somehow, right? Like that, that feels like a very much like a, you know, you know, well, we got to have something at the end of it and we don't have a better revelation. So it's got to be that, you know, you know, uh, that Zilverfall is the original Arbiter um, and that the current one's like a machine made from Anima or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I like, and you know, everything about that plot twist, I, I like quite a lot. Um, I think it's cool that we just straight up lose. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul wins. He, he gets the sh he gets the shit and he eats. I think that's sweet, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like that that revelation is is uh, is weird or whatever. <laughs> no, I agree. As I as I messaged you, I didn't realize it was like you know it was it was uh, what, what did I say? Was closure week. Take your, take your child to death. The, yeah, yeah. Cl closure week on Azeroth. Right? It's like, mom, I feel bad about Garrosh. She's like, son. <laughs> It's all okay, right? Like, it's, uh, it's, I, I mean, you know, earnestly, I loved that. You know, I think that stuff is great. I'm, so, it's so cool, right? Jaina and Uther sitting there and talking about Arthas. That's the shit that I'm there for. Also, and you might not have noticed this. I don't know if you play with the sound on, 
um, when you activate those conversations, they play special music for the conversation, which is like, it's my shit, right? Um, so, but, uh, honestly, I didn't think it was too bad. And honestly, I think they should probably should have spaced these out over a couple of weeks. They should have done, like, one a week. It just, like, hit me that, like, first I see, you know, Thrall talk to his mom, and then I see, like, the Mograines talk to each other, too. It's like, oh, okay, right? Like, it's like, it's just, yeah. like... <laughs> It's just, like, a little too close together, right? It's like, uh uh-huh. you know, Yeah, like, I mean, there's a bunch of these. Taronda talks to, to Chandris. Kael'thas talks to the Accuser. Some of these... The, what, something I don't like about this is that they don't all happen right there in Corthia. Um, like, Kael'thas talks about how pissed he is that he doesn't get to be... That he wasn't there to finally kill Kel'Thuzad, right? And the Accuser is like, well, why? You know, like, what what does you personally being there have to do with it? Um... Okay, I want to talk about Taronda and Chandra's. And and Kel'thas essentially... Yeah, Twitter Nels. Oh, save me from the Twitter Nels. I was farming down votes the other day because I said that Taronda has a really complex character arc and people got really mad at me. But actually, what I specifically said was, I said Taronda has a, a, a very good character, or a very complex character arc, and I will go to bat for it. And I got a million people... Yelling at me that I'm that I'm very wrong because obviously Taronda should have I don't know thrown Sylvanas into a blender or something I don't know what they wanted right and I just kept getting like minus ten minus twelve you know like every post of fuck got downvoted to oblivion but I was like listen I said I'm gonna go to bat for this shit I'm gonna go to bat for this shit this is where you farm up votes by going to WoW Circle Jerk and being like Taronda's like Taronda's the worst forever ironically so. One of the things that I think is really interesting, do you know do you know the unjerk thread? Have you ever heard of the WoW Circle Jerk unjerk thread? No, no. Okay, as of this moment, the WoW Circle Jerk unjerk thread has um <laughs> has fifteen hundred comments. <laughs> and it's just full of people saying, The game is not that bad, you guys. Chill the fuck out, please. <laughs> Every week and the thing is is that I love the I love the, the unjerk thread because it is the perfect place to go when people are just like complaining about like dumb bullshit it's just like shut the fuck up please like i swear to god right you know people people complaining about um people complaining about the wow store and then doing just the insane mental gymnastics to say that the final fantasy 14 store is better the 5d chest that goes into that or whatever but every week that 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 unjerk thread goes more and more and more like at first it was like are we gonna break 1k and we break 1k are we we gonna break you know 1200 and then now it's 1500 so everybody's memeing about when it's gonna finally break 2k we're gonna get 2k in the weekly unjerk thread man (laughs) i will say though that the uh the fucking like i thought the melganis like you know like you you touch a book and melganis is like haha you thought you got rid of me, but not really. And we'll resolve this next next week on you know on, on Wow Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> like that that felt yeah that felt a little cheap. <laughs> yeah yeah that was and did, I, I honestly feel pretty cheap. I like actually the Malganis stuff. I think I like the Dreadlord stuff. No, I think I probably like the Draka Thrall stuff the best out of all of like the nine point one questing. But the Dreadlord stuff was insanely good. I I think that the Dreadlord stuff that they did in nine point one is actually it's it's the it's the best version of the dreadlords that we get like in game you know like this is like the first time where we, you know 
first there's the conspiracy, then there's the, like, you have to uncover and figure out who's what, and you're decrypting the code or whatever, and you're, uh, you know, I felt really bad about this. When they give you the, when they give you the notes, they all have a cipher, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to figure out the cipher and go post it on, like, the WoW lore subreddit, get a million upvotes or something. And I spent all this time decrypting the cipher, and I was like, okay, I'll do, I, you know, I, like, I, I decrypted the, th the thing, and I did a couple of the messages so I could see, like, Death Rock, don't fail me again, or whatever else, right? There were a couple other messages like that. And I was like, okay, I'll do the rest of these after it's over. And I went back to the questing, and the very next quest, they give you all of the messages decoded, and I was like, God fucking damn it. I was so excited <laughs> to be the guy to, you know, to, like, decode the things or whatever. But, yeah, I just really enjoyed the, uh, I just really enjoyed, like, the actual decoding the conspiracy of the dreadlords as it was happening kind of stuff that was great uh lou says the book was the teaser after the credits in a bad serial i totally agree with yeah. that yeah absolutely agree with that yeah no. he escapes off screen i think one of my favorite one of my other favorite moments is when you go and you see malganis in his cage and he's like i'll give you power if you get me these rune stones and then you go and you get the rune stones and you give it to his jailer like these were just lying out there please do something better with this so he doesn't escape that was pretty funny no i agree i agree i'm i'm actually super surprised they didn't do like a jane is a dreadlord gag like I, I thought, I thought for sure that there was gonna be like a Jaina. It's like you know, it's yeah. like a one-off thing, right? Like, like the the real Jaina is gonna run in from off screen. Um, I guess they're leaving that as still a possibility, right? Yeah, maybe that that's coming in nine point two, right? And they did a Heroes of the Storm skin for it, right? Oh, did so, they? Yeah, they, they get, there's a Dreadlord Jaina skin in Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. Well, we're at about time. Did you did you want to do anything else before we got out of here? Nope, I'm, I'm good. All right. I do have one one thing to promote, though, um, which is um, uh, uh, there's this Kickstarter for this baseball film called Ephis, which is about, like, uh, uh, the last game on, a, uh, on, like, a hometown a hometown field for a rec league. It's, um, it's, they describe it as, like, the opposite of the Field of Dreams. The only reason I'm interested in it is because my brother has signed on to shoot it. Um, so, you know, full disclosure there. But it looks like it could be amusing. Um, Very cool. it's, it's, there's a Kickstarter for it. If you feel so inclined, I would encourage you to check it out. There will be a link in the Congratulations description. Congratulations to Grango. Yes. Greg Tango. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but yes, uh, that's the last thing I have to promote. Did you want to do promote anything before we went into the end? And I am doing Buddy Gets Good Grime uh, this Friday. I'm also theoretically running a very casual sort of speed run event uh, on Friday as well. Um, so if you're thinking anything grime related, please feel free. You know, right. to come hang out in the Grime Discord on Friday. But uh, but otherwise, I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to say, uh, you know, if you want to email us about any things we talked about on today's podcast, if you'd like to, um, uh, you can email us at subversplaygames at gmail.com or podcast.subversplaygames.com. You can follow us on twitch.tv slash subversplaygames, where these go out live now. Um, we've got a YouTube channel. We've got a SoundCloud. Rate and review us everywhere. Subscribe. Do all the good things. Um all the socials are in the description. Uh, we've got a Patreon if you feel if you're feeling particularly generous. Um, I think that's everything I have, and we, we already did that part. Uh, so uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>